Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, it's Desi Jadikin. Woo! <laughs> You I'm, trying your, to, I'm trying to liven up the room. Yeah, because like, we're both like kind of sick. Yeah, but better. Yeah, I was like trying to work last night while sick, and then I decided to watch The Walking Dead instead because like that's the show I'm watching right now, mm-hmm. and something fucking horrible happened, and it was so bad that like I want to quit the show. Rachel... I know what you're talking about. No, you don't. It's I do season know what you're seven. talking about. Rachel, I know what you're talking about. It was because s- even though I stopped watching The Walking Dead, I watched that moment in particular because I heard what happened. So don't tell me. <laughs> I'm Desi. This is why I didn't get any work done today. Not only am I like kind of <laughs> sick, right? But that moment, this particular moment, the first episode of season seven, and if you're a Walking Dead fan, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Because season six ended on a cliffhanger. Yes, and then you find out what the yeah. cliffhanger was, and it's like the worst thing I think I've ever seen on television. It's I'm horrible. Absolutely devastated. The show goes off the rails in like a major. Well, and then kind there's of... like a tiger in like the second episode of this season, Ugh. so it's like getting really weird. But this, I'm just saying, like I've been like, is that show still on? Yes, like, they're see, never. Gonna they're get... just not going to run out of. They, there's nothing else to do, so they have to just keep. Doing more and more horrible things. Like, I'm really depressed. I'm okay. bummed. I'm bummed okay. about a television character today. It's pretty sad. Yeah. It was pretty awful. Let's talk about Game of Thrones first so people can fast forward if they don't want to hear Game of Thrones. It's going to be a short one for me. Okay. So All if right. you want to fast forward a few minutes, go ahead. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> uh, what do you want to say? Uh, so we were going to go over our top Game of Thrones moments throughout the series. Here's what happened to me, Rachel. Okay. It's like, you know, when someone's shitty and you cut them out of your life and you just don't even think about them anymore. Yeah. That's kind of what happened to me with Game of Thrones this week. Wow. I just was like, eh, I don't even want to think about it anymore. Like, I just was like over it. I kind of reconciled some of the things I didn't like about the finale. Right. Namely, like, uh, I think like coming around to the fact that Sansa really is in control and Tyrion really is in control. Yeah. It's sort of what makes me like it a little bit better. Yeah. I just, it's not that I thought it was bad. I just was kind of like, okay. Like, I felt like that last episode, it's like, we're just wrapping things up, I guess. <laughs> like, nothing of interest really right. happened for me in that episode. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of like, okay. I, I feel like that would have been a better episode after 20 episodes of yeah. season eight. Right. Instead of just five. No, I agree. I mean, that's my main complaint. It wasn't that the series finale sucked for me so much as there wasn't enough time to explore all the ways we got there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there wasn't like I wanted to see a full blown descent into madness from Danny, not just like hints at it. Right. I wanted to see her do some truly weird shit leading up to that and for people to like outwardly be more questioning of her. Like yeah. the ones in her circle. There was more of a conflict there. Also, the more and more I think about the season, I get more irritated with how they blew uh, Cersei's storyline, like she had nothing this season. Right, like, she had she's nothing. The, she's like my favorite character, Me or too. one of them of yeah. the series. Uh, and the fact that she had almost nothing to do this 
this yeah. year or this season was just and, tragic to me. And <laughs> like, I think a lot of people who were fans of Cersei, I mean, how can you not be a fan of that character? She's, right. It's such an amazing character. I'm not saying character. you have to like her, no. but as a villain, she's amazing. She's one of yeah. the great villains of all time. Right. I mean, so it was sad that we didn't get enough to do with her, but I do still love the show a lot. <laughs> I do too. And so I put together a list in no particular order, um, just five of my favorite things. And okay. this is like off the top of my head. I'm sure after I post this episode, I'm going to think of like 50 more things. I have favorite things too. So go ahead. So these are yours. some of my favorite things throughout the series of Game of Thrones. Um, no particular order. Number one, when Littlefinger was explaining to the sex workers at the brothel how to fuck. Yeah. That was so Amazing. hot. That Amazing was, character. That Another was, one of my favorite characters. I love Littlefinger. He was one of the best characters on the whole series. I mean, that reminds me of one of my favorite moments when he pushed, pushed, oh. <laughs> pushed her out the moon door. Pushed out the moon door. That was, see, I mean, talk about a satisfying fucking moment. Oh. Like that moment, we had been waiting for that bitch right. to die. So long. And it was so satisfying. Right. It's like, that's the proper buildup to where we, something happens and we're like, yes. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of me that wants to, root for someone's death. But I think that's the thing that was so disappointing for a lot of Game of Thrones fans. I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself uh, for the series finale is because it was like there wasn't that build up, that tension of like, oh my God, I want this set. There wasn't the satisfying death. There wasn't the satisfying death that there was before. Honestly, the most affecting death to me was definitely Theon. Like yes. that was sort of the only that, one because he had a real arc. Yes. You knew he was gonna die to kind of absolve his like he, sins. That was a that was a well handled. The Theon storyline was well because handled. Because it had a really long build. Like yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah. Number two would be Cersei blowing up the sept. That is one of my top moments as well. Talk about another great buildup. Oh like, my God. That whole storyline is amazing to me. I love that whole season. Me too. And that moment when Marjorie like realizes, she oh, and Marjorie is another great character. Right. I loved Marjorie. I did too. I loved her. Uh, and it's like so frustrating to see this woman who's so smart realize it, but it's just too fucking late. Like, right. Oh, and man. I was so frustrated for Marjorie because she knew these religious zealots were nuts from the very beginning yes. and that they were bad and Cersei only put them in power so she could enact revenge right. on Marjorie right. and then it really oh, well jokes on you Cersei they're amazing they're zealots they're going to go after you now number 3 obviously lady olena saying tell Cersei it was me amazing moment that's literally how i would go i'd be so petty at the end <laughs> Everyone's dream is to get one petty last dig in oh, before yeah. they die. <laughs> I mean, talk about an iconic character, Lady Elena. I mean, give her a, a, a float at Pride this year. Give her a spinoff. <laughs> I want to see early, early years of her. She I want to see early years Olena And like her and uh, Lord Varys, two of my favorite characters also, like them together gossiping. I want that to be a show. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, number four, Ramsay's death. Because that was a satisfying death. That was also a very satisfying death. You know, that is Also like, that moment with Le- uh, Theon and Sansa where he yeah. finally fucking broke through the reek shit. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. And number five, anytime hot pie talked about pies. <laughs> <laughs> Such an underrated character. I love hot pie. And yeah. I love... The, and I... That was what I wanted for more from season eight. I wanted to see Hot Pie in the kitchen. I want a spinoff of Hot Pie's kitchen. Way too much focus on on 
Gendry or Gendry and not enough hot pie. I agree. Because Gendry, is that Gendry or Gendry? Gendry. Gendry. He's a boring character. He's fine. He's cute, whatever, but I didn't care about him as much as I cared about hot pie. I'm just going to say. I will say one other unsatisfying moment for me is I don't like Arya going off west of Westeros, <laughs> especially knowing that there's no spinoff with Arya. It's right. like, well, what's the fucking point right. then? Like, that seemed like it was set up for a spinoff. Well, that was also that's just... Like a, that just seems like a really, like, I don't know, she goes west of Westeros. Like well, That was such a, like, poochie on The Simpsons, like, I have to go back to my home planet now. Right. It's just like, okay, I guess... I guess. <laughs> like, that's how bad the sex with Gendry was. <laughs> She's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Need to find some fucking west, west of Westeros dick. Speaking of uh, dick, we never got to see Podrick's dick, and I'm very disappointed in that. Or at least, like, I wanted a to know. Simil- like, an, like, someone slaps a huge sausage down. And right. Like, that's the size of Podrick. And right. And you could be like, oh. Okay, that's why he, I mean. Yeah, we want to see. Okay. So then, uh, you asked me to come up with my least favorite moments and I couldn't decide if least favorite meaning like I just thought they were boring and I didn't like them or I was bored by them or least favorite like oh my god that made me so sad or that really affected me right so I I don't feel like least would be sad because those moments are good still sometimes when you're sad right well I came up with the ones that made me sad and upset yeah so and I didn't come up with five but I just came up with like the two off the top of my head Besides the obvious ones, like Ned Stark, whatever, like obviously that really upset me. But um, something that really upset me in the show, even though it was like not a bad part of the show, it was good, it was an interesting part of the show, was just like all of Theon's torture. It just like I w- I mean like that was look, hard. I'm a Theon apologist. Even Me though too. He, even though he took Winterfell, like that's how you write a good character is because I was still sympathetic for him. I would say Theon has one of the best story arc or character arcs yes, of the show. I for agree. sure. I because agree. I have hated him. I felt sympathy for him when he was being tortured when he was reek. Right. And then I wanted him to have that vindication Me at too. the end. So that's like a great character. It was so well written. <clears throat> it was so incredibly acted. You like, also never knew where it was going. Like right. I never really knew like he could have gotten away from reek or whatever. Right. And went back to being a dick. I have no you know what I mean? Like you right. never knew what he was gonna do. I think that Alfie Allen, the guy who plays Theon, he I hope he's nominated for some kind of an award this year because like his acting I don't know I don't even know if he won if he's won before for Game of Thrones. I don't know that he's ever been nominated. But he's such a good actor, yeah, that good. guy. Like he he's really good. put you on an emotional fucking roller coaster. Another favorite moment of mine we didn't mention is as far as pure shock value and I hadn't read the books was the Red Wedding. Oh, like, my that God. That was an insane... Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it's so obvious that both of us just like the characters. Like, neither one of us are picking battles. Right. <laughs> like, none of those battles. It's, like, as great as they might have been and expensive right. and da-da-da-da. I just never connect to those kind of things. The only battle that was really interesting to me or really exciting for me was the Battle of the Bastards. Which Be- one was that? That was the Ramsey versus oh, everybody right, right, right. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that one seemed so hopeless. And I was like, how are they going to get out of this? Yeah. And it's not that I don't get excited during them, but it's just not my, it's never well, going to make my top. Well, some people like watching yeah. battle on screen. For me, it's more about the intrigue. I like the political right. intrigue. I like if the battle has some kind of character storyline really like yeah. focused on. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, of course, just like Ramsey in general, like everything about him was so. It was so hard. Like he's an awful, just awful. What a piece yeah. of shit. He was also great, though. No, <clears throat> like the actor was. Oh great. my god, yeah. the actor was so good because, like, he did. 
I hated him so much. Right. He was so evil. He was just pure evil. There was no redeeming qualities about him whatsoever. <clears throat> oh, you know, you know, another great uh, scene was um, Tyrion shooting his father on the toilet. Oh, I love that. That scene. was amazing. There was another scene. I think it was Tyrion, but it was in King's Landing, and it was the two old guys. I forget their names. It was in an earlier season, or not an earlier season, but it was a few seasons ago. And the two old, like, he's being confronted by Tyrion, I think. And one of them farts because they're nervous. <laughs> I don't remember that. It was just a good touch. So you have, like, a better memory because you literally just binged everything. Yeah. And I've done this over eight years. But, like, now that we're talking about it, I regret that I said up top. Like, I do still love Game of Thrones. Yeah. But I just didn't like the last season that much. It was just sort of, like, ah, uh, like... And I, it's been so good. Like it's been so good. Part of me is like, yeah, they kind of dropped the ball. But the other part of me is like, I think a lot of us also just feel like we're just sad that it's over. Maybe. I mean, part of me is like that. Where I'm like, it was just sort of the the denouement. Like I felt like this whole last season was just kind of like, okay, now right. we're wrapping things up. It like, was there's sad. no more things that are happening anymore. Right. Right. It's just wrapping up loose ends. Like, right. Okay. So it was kind of sad, and yeah. I really hope they do a spinoff. <clears throat> Um, I mean, I feel this we've given you guys a few good suggestions right. for spinoffs. I mean, I'll see Arya go explore. I'd rather see like a prequel personally. Like I'd love yeah. to see a Mad King era. Oh yeah. Game of Thrones. Definitely. Okay. I have a few small things I'm going to talk about before we get into the meat of the episode. Oh, so, uh, first of all, someone asked me if there was an update on the free Britney thing. Right. So I looked into that and it's a lot of legal stuff that I don't really understand, but the latest news that just happened, I guess in the past day or two is that, um, Britney's dad, Jamie apparently has expanded her conservatorship outside of California to, um, places where she owns home, Florida, oh. Louisiana, and Hawaii. Whoa. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know how these things work, but I guess, it was her main residence is in California, so he ha controlled her business here. So now he's controlling it in more states where she lives. And then people find it interesting that he hasn't requested to have that expanded into Nevada. Right. So they're all speculating that means he knows she's not going to be performing anymore at her residency in Vegas. So I think that that was sort of something that came out last week that she probably wasn't going to continue that. And that seems really likely now because he hasn't expanded it to, to Nevada. Yeah. So that's sort of the only real update okay. that I saw for that person who wanted to know. There you go. Now, um, this is something we haven't really talked too much about on the show before, and that's the Real Housewives franchise, which I'm a really big fan of. And I think Rachel likes some of them. I used to watch Beverly Hills. So I really like... Other than Beverly Hills, I'm really into the New York one. And today, Luann de la Sep, I don't know how to say her last name, Countess Luann. Now, is she the one who had the don't be tardy to the party? Or wait, No, that's classy. Atlanta. Wait, she, she had the classy <laughs> song. <laughs> she has a few, I wait, think. Wait, there's, what's the one about like money can't buy money you class? Money can't buy you class. I love that song. She's a cabaret star now, Rachel. She oh. has a few hits. I don't know what this life is, but a lot of housewives have it. They become cabaret stars, or whatever that is. I think they basically play at these clubs, come in, lip sync one or two of their songs. Like at gay bars. Kind of like gay bars, but probably like a little outside, like, you know, mix gay and, you know, like some mixture type places. So she's a cabaret star now. And uh, the big news is, 
she got arrested last year in Palm Springs for hitting a cop, a very uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor move. Wait, well, how did she hit the cop? Like She, <laughs> she was drunk him? in Palm Springs, and like he pulled her over for drunk driving, and she got into like an altercation with him. Uh, and then she got sober. Now, Rachel, <laughs> she has broken her probation. Uh, part of her proba- probation is to be free of alcohol and right. to be in treatment. She uh, was in court, like I think yesterday, or was it today? And uh, she basically got handcuffed um, for not taking her probation seriously. Uh, I guess she tested positive for alcohol. She admitted to drinking two glasses of mimosas after a performance in Chicago. (laughs) I mean, of course. (laughs) Um, Part of me, okay, here's like, maybe it's a controversial opinion, Rachel. You'll you'll scold me as uh, someone who is an expert on sobriety, (laughs) or more than I am at least. My theory here is... Luann is not an alcoholic. She's pushing it all on the fact that she has gotten in trouble when she drinks. The fact is she's a narcissist and has mental problems outside of alcohol that she's trying to place the blame on alcohol. But that's why nothing is getting better for her because the alcohol really isn't it. She needs to work on herself like in other ways. Like- well, I mean, actually, you, you, you said it without knowing what you were saying. And that is that, uh, yeah, alcohol isn't the problem. It is yourself. Yeah. And that's why if you get sober and you don't work on yourself, you're a fucking piece of shit still. You're still the same piece right. of shit. You're just sober. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Enough I'm not of- saying one or the other, but I feel like she's not focusing on the right thing. Well, she's, she keeps Whether yeah. or not she has alcoholism, if she's not working on herself, it doesn't matter if she's sober or not. She's still acting like a piece of shit. Right. So... She basically got handcuffed in court. I don't think she's going to go back to jail, but they definitely are trying to like lay the law with down with right, her. Right, right. Uh, so that was sort of a funny thing. I will probably at some point do some Real Housewives episodes um, on the main show because there's like a lot of crimes yeah. <laughs> involved. Like it could be Beverly Hills. I'll do like a New Jersey one. We Come could on. do one for each. We could do one for each. We'll have our own little state by state. Uh, love it. Love it. Okay. So I think, oh, wait, I have one more. And this is this goes under the category of why does everyone send me this story? Because <laughs> there are certain stories, I swear to God, that everyone sends me. And it's like, you know what? Fuck you Like you the all. Pringles can. Yeah, like the Pringles can. And this one, Rachel, you probably saw because I think someone posted it on our Facebook group also, was man allegedly hiding drugs in his butt accidentally shoots himself <laughs> in his testicles. Did you see this? Of course I did. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, my favorite is someone in our Facebook group will post like some awful story from Florida and it's like man lit a firecracker (laughs) off in his neighbor's anus and then ate macaroni and cheese on his son's bedroom floor and then the caption of the of the link says hey guys feel like this belonged here in this group (laughs) I like when they specifically tag me like hey Desi Florida and I'm just like excuse me I'm a New Yorker now uh so I'm not going to get too much into this guy. Obviously, he's a guy who had drugs up his ass. He gets arrested. He also has a gun on him. Uh, at some point during the arrest, uh, he accidentally, the gun goes off and he shoots himself in the balls. <laughs> Sorry. I'm literally only bringing this story up because I really had to read one sentence on air. This isn't an official news report, okay? This sentence got me like none other. When the ex-con finally went to the hospital, a balloon of marijuana slipped out of his anus (laughs) (laughs) while the doctor was operating on his balls. 
<laughs> slipped out of his anus. It's like, what poet writes for the New York Post? It's like, please. It's a, it sounds so a balloon of marijuana slipped. Like, I would love to see that gentle slide. Like, what? First of all, who puts marijuana up their ass? Like that's like a cocaine heroin like thing. I've yeah. never heard of someone putting a balloon of marijuana up their ass. Am I like uh I've never done that. Maybe I mean it's in Washington state. I would think marijuana would be legal esque there. Like Look, he was high. We don't know what he was up who to. Who knows? Uh anyway, I thought that was a funny sentence. It's poetic. <laughs> it's it's utterly poetic. poetic. Okay. So we've gotten some of those little stories out of the way. Now we're going to get to the meat of the episode. And this is a story that is literally something I will think about for a very long time. I I have a lot of information here. So you guys better fucking buckle up because it's going to be insane. Because this guy is really insane. His name is Moby. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've heard of him. You guys. Because you guys heard of Moby. His name is Moby. (laughs) Okay. This story is something that literally got me so amped up when I heard it. I was like, (laughs) I "I need to know everything right now. I was like hyperventilating when I saw the first post. I had to go back a few. So I'm going to just do it in order here. Okay. So Moby uh, has written a memoir. It's his second memoir. And in this book, he talks about having a relationship with actress Natalie Portman. Uh, he claims that it was when she was 20 and he was 33. Now, in the book, he he describes their relationship using like phrases like, we kissed under the centuries-old oak tree oh, when he visited her at her Harvard dorm room. Oh, God. He also says, for a few weeks, I had tried to be Natalie's boyfriend, but it hadn't worked out. Okay. So... Fucking Natalie Portman, who is like... Who's a legend. A legend. This is like literally my dream to publicly humiliate a man. Like, I can't even imagine how great that must feel. She does an interview with Harper's Bazaar, and she she describes their relationship as him just being an old creep who wanted to get close to her as a teenager. Her quote, I was surprised to hear that he characterized the very short time that I knew him as dating because my recollection is a much older man being creepy with me when I just had graduated high school. He was on tour and I was working shooting a film. So we only hung out a handful of times before I realized that this was an older man who was interested in me and, and it felt very inappropriate. Damn, girl. Uh, Now she goes on to say, he said I was 20. I definitely wasn't. I was a teenager. I had just turned 18. There was no fact checking from him or his publisher. It almost feels deliberate. That he used this story to sell his book was very disturbing to me. It wasn't the case. There are many factual errors and inventions. I would have liked him or his publisher to just reach out and fact check. Girl. Amazing. So... Any normal person in this moment would, would be like mortified, mortified, bury their hole in a fucking bury, bury themselves in like a shame hole right. in the middle of nowhere, never fucking show their face again. Not Moby. No, no, oh, no. Oh, no. Moby posts to Instagram. And this is the first thing I saw when I woke up that morning. It was like waking up that morning when the um, college scandal broke. <laughs> like, I just couldn't even believe my luck. Right. So I see this post where it's Moby fucking shirtless with a young Natalie Portman. I guess she's 18-year-old Natalie Portman. He's not wearing a top, and he has an insane expression on his face. This is the photo he shows as evidence that they (laughs) dated and that it was very normal and not at all weird. (laughs) Then he captions it, Rachel. And here's Moby's caption. 
I recently read a gossip piece. Gossip By the way, piece. I'm already first like of all, off the line. First of all, Desi, <laughs> the fact that he calls it a gossip piece when it wasn't a gossip piece, it was literally an interview. No of natalie portman in a fashion magazine it was not some blind item or some no. gossip rag it's, it also, was her it's also him negging her i know like totally like the minute i read that i was like oh this guy's fucking fucked up right i recently read in a gossip piece wherein natalie portman said that we'd never dated this confused me as we did in fact date you were fucking psycho. That's my addition. And after <laughs> briefly dating in 1999, we remained friends for years. I like Natalie, and I respect her intelligence Ugh. and activism. But to be honest, I can't figure out why she would actively misrepresent the truth about our, albeit brief, involvement. The story is laid out in my book, Then It Fell Apart, ding, is accurate with lots of corroborating photo evidence, etc. Thanks, Moby. P.S. I completely respect Natalie's possible regret in dating me. To be fair, I would probably regret dating me, oh, too. Oh, he's so humble. But it doesn't alter the factual, actual facts of our brief romantic history. What a fucking psycho. That is insane. That is psychotic. It is. It's really, like... <sighs> Can you even imagine? Dude. Okay. I, I, it's like... Am I honestly speechless, like, thinking speech, about it? It's like I've a, been, like, speechless. Like, I didn't even tweet about it because I was, like... I mean, also, like, everyone just, like, was piling on and had their own takes. Like, I couldn't... I, like, commented on the Lana Del Rey thing, which we'll talk about, I'm yes. sure. But, like... I just was like, wow, this is like someone who is so fucking insecure and feels so butthurt. And also like, yeah, it is fucking weird. A 34 year old trying to date an 18 year old. Well, that's the sort of thing that gets me. Like, it's you like, should be ashamed so even of that. if you're telling the truth, you still look like a scumbag. Right. Like, right. like what do you, so, it, so it's like, oh, I didn't date an 18 year old or I'm telling you, I did date an 18 year old when I was in my mid thirties. God right. damn it. It's like. It doesn't, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you suck both ways. Right. Like, you're disgusting. But going after her after she said no is so disrespectful it's to me. It's so like, gross. I can't even, like, and the picture is insane. And it just makes him seem like such a fucking, like, insecure, like, vindictive asshole by doing that. Right. And trying to, like, publicly shame her or own her or sort of, like, you know, how dare you? I'm posting this picture of us together. Like, dude, let it go. It's such a let it go moment. Like fucking Elsa should be saying it. It's like, dude, let it fucking go. But he posted a follow up picture. Uh, yep, he did post a follow up picture, Rachel. So he got called the fuck out on Twitter all morning after he posted this first image. He gets called out. So what does he do? Does he apologize to Natalie Portman and to all of us for making our day hell? Are actually really great though. But I don't want him to be thankful for that. Uh, no. This morning, he publishes more photographs, Rachel, on Instagram. I think it's like I three photos and a new caption. He, It's like, listen, here's how he starts it. In my memoir, then it fell apart. It's like, is this your marketing plan? <laughs> no one fucking cares about your memoir. Who's buying Moby's memoir? Like, it's his second one. Wait, really? Yeah. Do I, you need, I don't even need one Moby memoir. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I need to know more about what he's been not doing for the past 10 years? Come on. In my memoir, Then It Fell Apart, I respectfully and honestly described the brief, innocent, and consensual romantic I love that he has to say it was very innocent and very it was consensual. consensual. 
I had with Natalie Portman in 1999. Dude, we get it. But she's denying that we ever dated, even though in the past she's publicly discussed our involvement and there's ample photographic evidence that we briefly dated and then we're friends. Some pictures are included in this post. (laughs) It hurts to be lied about, especially as I've always respected her. And I thought we were friends, but I've been receiving anonymous threats of violence from her fans and it's affecting my business and my health. Drink some tea, bitch. (laughs) So what should I do? What do you do when people believe lies and accusations and not actual photographs and evidence? Wait, that's not evidence. That's just a photo. I want to take the high road, but I honestly don't know what to do. It's one thing to be lied about and entirely another when someone's lies result in physical threats from complete strangers. Oh, Rachel, he's the victim here. Rachel, what can I do? Okay, Moby, let me tell you what you can do. <laughs> Moby? Moby. First of all, After Natalie did her interview, you should have just shut up and taken the L and maybe done some self-reflecting and realized that you were, uh, it it is weird to be a 34-year-old man interested in an 18-year-old teenager. That is a little weird. You should have just taken the L. Whether or not you guys dated or not, this is not the hill you want to die on, even though I know you think it is, but that he went after her twice and like double down on this is and now he's so the creepy. And now he's painting himself as the victim in this. It's like, you're not a victim. You're just fucking weird. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost 
on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. I got curious. Oh, <laughs> about Moby's memoir. We will get to Lana Del Rey at the end. Okay, good. But there's a lot in this memoir that I feel like we need to discuss so we get a deeper understanding of exactly what a piece of shit Moby is. Right. He's literally one of the most pretentious, annoying fuckwads like of all time. Well, I did some follow up on his Instagram after he p- did those two posts <clears throat> because right. late he's also been posting stuff after the fact like I'm just so spiritual. Oh, I saw that one. And yeah. like, you know, the haters can't get to me. Like, it's just this whole big fucking thing. I honestly respect the fans threatening him. <laughs> normally go for that but it's like yes so you better fucking get your act together man i don't even know how old he is now he must be like almost 50 right yeah okay so in this memoir by the way and this memoir is is literally about his last 10 years about like what's moby been up to said no one (laughs) right like that's what it should be called he says all the stories in this book actually happened i've changed some names and details out of respect for other people you don't respect other people mister why didn't he change natalie portman's name then right he didn't respect uh, her now 10 years sober rachel which talk about someone who is not doing some work on themselves. Ooh. Are you right? Am I right? Look, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. But I will. <laughs> it seems like he's not doing work on himself. <laughs> um, he describes it as his lost decade. Uh, and this memoir, by the way, he describes as a morality tale. You know what, Moby? I have, as someone who has more time sobriety than you do, <laughs> by about two years. <laughs> but don't, wouldn't you say that this I'm is like... I'm just going to say, as somebody who has two years more sobriety than you, maybe you should take the L on this. Just chill on this. Right. Okay. So in 1999, and this is about the t- time he says he dated uh, Natalie, he's on a tour for his album Play, which is like... That's his, his album. It's his album. It's right. the big album that he sold for commercials. <laughs> what? <laughs> Desi's really getting him from all angles here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Look, veganism I'm team too. Team Eminem on this one. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, we all are. <laughs> so uh, he's playing to a half-empty stadium, uh, and he complains in the memoir that no one was interested in having sex with him. A quote: "How badly oh. was I failing as a musician that I couldn't even find someone to flirt with me at my own after party?" It's like before play got super big. Like, wasn't it out for a bit, and then when he started selling it for yeah. commercials, it exploded? Yeah. So this might be like when it was first released. I guess '99 it wasn't as big, but I like I feel like it was like 2000, 2001 right. was like Moby's peak years. Right. I think that play came out. And was not a hit. And then when he started selling it for ads, right. it became like huge monster. And hit. like movies and yeah, shit. Yeah, so it kind of like a few years, it kind of was a slow burn. So this must have been before. He leaves the party and he sees a sex worker standing at a, a bus stop. He describes um, it as, like, this is how he describes it in the book. He had dated a variety of sex workers, but he never paid money for sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> and then he, uh, he starts wondering if he should at that moment. It's 1 a.m., it's raining. He imagines falling in love with the sex worker, discussing their mutual brokenness. Oh, what? Um, so he, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, so he's labeling this woman as broken. As broken, that like him, so... and equating their like struggles, you know, as if it's the same. Le- he has no idea who this was. Leave her alone. Yeah. So he says, I said too quickly, I was just walking back to my hotel. 
And then they were nonplussed as I hadn't been walking. I had been standing in the shadows 1 a.m. in King's Cross staring at a no, prostitute. Yeah, That's his yeah, quote. yeah. You're, of course, she was nonplussed by some creepy guy staring yeah, at her in the didn't shadows. She didn't even know I was Moby. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Hi, I'm Moby. Wait, she, he said no. that? Oh. <laughs> Have you heard of me? Um, now he's in New Zealand. He's still on tour for play. He has a friend, Lorraine, and he meets her friend, who is Mandy, and, and um, Moby describes her as a beautiful elf. Sorry. <laughs> if I was Mandy, I'd be like, he, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Um, he's, he describes their encounter as, as we, he, they get into a cab and they go to her apartment building near the Arc de Triomphe. As we drove, I told Mandy the strange history of the Egyptian obelisk near oh, Tutelier's garden. Oh, she God. listened and, and nodded, but seemed bored. Of course. And I'm sure bored. Moby continued. Right. Like, cause he saw that clue and was like, well, I probably, she's probably not bored. <laughs> Just he, because she's yawning. Everything about Everything about this guy, the way he's describing, is like just one of my least favorite genres of men. Oh, God. And that's the the man who, A, is like the paternalistic, oh, she's a sex worker, so she must be damaged. Right. B, the guy who can't take a fucking social clue that I don't give a shit about the Egyptian obelisks. Leave me alone. Well, Rachel, he likes to know the person that he's going to probably have sex with. That's how he says it. I wanted to tell her about my deceased grandmother's dash house. I don't care about your... I don't care about your grandma's wiener dog. (laughs) But Mandy started kissing me. I like Mandy. She's like... Let's just fuck you fucking windback. <laughs> She's like, anything to shut you up, I'm going to shove my tongue. This is like a woman's dilemma where right. they're like, I don't really want to fuck him, but I want him to shut up. <laughs> I just need to get it over with. Totally. <laughs> like, literally, I'm going to sit on your fucking face. We took off our clothes and had sex on the damp wine-stained sheets. Why are oh. they wine-stained, Rachel? While her dog was pacing and whining around. <laughs> dog was probably like get the fuck out moby after sex we passed out she's probably grateful (laughs) so his next encounter that he describes in the memoir is at a holiday inn in minneapolis moby said that he made himself a sandwich with some frozen hot dogs called tofu pups as he calls them and he describes them this way rachel as warm as a lawn on a summer day that's literally a quote from the memoir how he describes tofu pups okay what I didn't have a knife, so I used the subscription card from In In Minneapolis Magazine to spread mustard on the two pieces of bread. I put my tofu pups and bread on a hand towel and ate them while watching an old episode of The Simpsons and drinking day-old carrot juice. I had the number one album in the UK, which made a lukewarm holiday in tofu pup the most wonderful meal I'd ever eaten. (laughs) This guy's such a piece of shit. order a pizza. Seriously? What's wrong with you? Right. Fucking tofu pup. <laughs> like, how do you even have that in your hotel room? You just fucking travel with them in a thermos? Play starts getting bigger and bigger. He says, to keep myself from feeling creepy and ethically compromised, I told myself I was looking for love. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he meets a woman named Bex, uh, and he says that she is an Irish woman who he describes as being usually reserved. Fuck you. Wait, he says Irish women Irish women are are usually reserved, which I find not to be their reputation at all as someone who is part Irish. I thought we were bitches and hotheads. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I just made that up. (laughs) It's not my fault. I'm Irish. That's how we do it. Um, He 
Bex is okay with him ripping the mirror off the wall Why? Uh, of his generic but large hotel suite and positioning it so they can watch themselves having sex. I, the last thing <laughs> I want to think about is Moby having sex. What about on ecstasy? Because he was on ecstasy, Rachel. <laughs> he must be the most annoying person on ecstasy. Oh. We spent the next few hours having sex and looking into each other's eyes. And by the time we were done, it was late and most of the people at the party had left. Someone in the living room put on London Calling, but Joe Strummer, who apparently was still there, yelled, oh, fuck no. <laughs> Good for him. After a brief interlude for cocaine, Moby goes in for pillow talk. I lay there smiling and spooning beautiful Bex. As I was falling asleep, I heard golden years playing in the other room. Can I tell you something, I asked? Please, she said sleepily. David Bowie's my neighbor. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Is he the biggest idiot ever? Okay, Ugh. this is great. I okay. just love that he wants to change the privacy and names of everyone right. unless they're super famous. Unless they're super famous and he can name drop. Right. Forget it. So his next date is Lauren. So he's in a cab with Lauren and in the cab he says, Lauren, you are so beautiful. Then I kissed her. But why doesn't God let us feel like this all the time? An omnipotent God would give us any resting neurochemical state. So why doesn't he let us feel like this from the time we're born until the moment we die? I, can you imagine Lauren's face right now? Um, he later wonders if he's actually divine himself. Maybe I was a new God, a benign God, but a complicated God with a secular dominion over sweetness and filth. Nobody with uh, a healthy grasp of themselves thinks they're God. No, it's it's literally number one rule of like, right. you're, you have a mental break. <laughs> you think you're Jesus. Or you're a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes on to tell a story about meeting up with Bono, Michael Stipe, and Salman Rushdie. And he, like, this is like a fucking key cycle. I bet hub. even Bono was like, <clears throat> knock it off, uh, dude. Not according to Moby. Moby said that Bono said he loved him. No, I think yeah. I think Bono was like, yeah. dude, you are over the top. <laughs> yeah, he's like, whoa, I right. thought I was God. <laughs> um, he also talks about loving fame now at this period he loves fame he loves talking about being related to herman melville although he never finished moby dick he decided it was allegorical rachel <laughs> and now i found rock stardom my own domesticated pet white whale but my little whale wasn't destroying me instead it smiled at me while i rode happily on its back more like a friendly pony than a malevolent force of nature i just tuned out this whole thing i don't even know what he's talking about i decided right now. it was karma to have a benign relationship with my fame my own moby dick and not end up lashed to the whale with harpoons and knotted rope. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I mean, what a piece of shit, right? Oh. This little section is called Moby has a nice moment with New Order ruined. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait a minute. He considered himself to be a peer of New Order. No. Yeah. Because, you know, they're both, I guess, electronic music. Um, you know what? There's a lot of electronic music I, out there. Look, I'm just telling you what Moby thinks, okay? And what Moby well, thinks. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with so this. So he meets them and he considers them to be like BFFs and his peers. After we rehearsed, it was an acoustic guitar. Hooky looked at me kindly like an older brother. Moby, he said, Ian would be proud. I'm I guess sure. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but the moment is ruined when Moby discovers that comedian Andy Dick tried to poo on his vegan <laughs> end of tour cake in front of a crowd chanting of chanting onlookers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, okay, so Moby is having this amazing moment with New Order, and then that moment is ruined when he discovers that Andy Dick tried to poo on his vegan end of tour cake that is in front of a crowd of chanting onlookers. That is the best thing Andy Dick has ever done. Seriously, it's worth everything else. <laughs> he had this one great moment. 
Then, then Moby says, oh, okay, I said, one mildly annoyed that now I wouldn't be able to eat my vegan cake. <laughs> Charlize Theron, who was there for some reason, said, that's disgusting. Uh, so let's get into the Lana Del Rey because this really is sort of the perfect ending. Yeah. So in 2006, Moby, 2006, Moby invites a young singer named Lizzie Grant. That is Lana Del Rey. Who was 20 years old at the time. So, uh, he invites her to his apartment, which has multiple floors and, uh, Lana shakes her head when she goes in and she tells Moby, Moby, you know, you're the man. Now, Moby thanks her for the compliment and she clarifies you're a rich wasp from Connecticut. You live in a five-level penthouse. You're the man, as in stick it to the man, as in the person they guillotine in the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> now, Moby goes on, and this is literally the, the classic, most classic white fucking privileged male reaction to anything I've ever fucking heard. Yes. He says, I didn't know if she was insulting me, but I decided to take it as a compliment. <laughs> go through their lives is that what we're talking about when we talk about white male privilege every insult is a compliment every rejection is actually us wanting it right like every like everything no matter what we do if you at reply me a hundred times and i never respond you know that one day i will like what is like that is just like mind-blowing to me and like such a snapshot of what's inside certain guys minds and maybe women i have no idea i'm talking about men now though so don't at me <laughs> unbelievable fucking statement it's unreal and go go lizzie yeah i mean to have that the balls to say that to some famous musician at her age i mean and he was even older at that point and obviously really accomplished and super famous and she was only 20 years old when she said that right i mean natalie portman was famous already so she probably had that little bit of power at least right whereas this is like someone who wanted to be a musician she was an unknown she was definitely in like the weaker position power wise like right. as far as fame and like wanting to I'm be a like, musician. I'm such a Lana stan. Like I actually don't really listen to her music. I appreciate it. It's good. But like as like a person, like I've met her a few times and she's genuinely one of like the coolest people ever. Right. She's so cool. <clears throat> well, he also goes on to try to kiss her still after that. Still. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. And he said that Grant, uh, um, Lana stopped him and said, I like you, but I hear you do this with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I have seen stories online. Really? Like, since this, since this story broke, a lot of people sharing pictures of Moby kind of being creep. I had no idea. Cause I honestly thought he was like basically a celibate vegan nerd. Right. Like I didn't, I don't really follow Moby's career. I've I never, never been a fan of him. him. Like I don't think about him. I know he owned like a tea shop and like a vegan restaurant. He has a vegan restaurant. Yeah. Here. So it's like, that's like the extent of my knowledge. Well, everyone Moby. on Twitter was sort of sharing their Moby anecdotes. Yeah. Like people who live in LA and my favorite anecdote ever was someone was talking about how they were at a restaurant like with friends and stuff and the restaurant was totally booked and there wasn't a table available and Moby goes up to the maitre d' and is like we need that table get kick that party out that's sitting at that table and the maitre d' goes Moby you always do this (laughs) (laughs) it was the best story ever well anyway uh that's pretty much the end of the Moby section but that was a lot of good that was a lot of good stuff that new order story is fucking hilarious like the Andy Dick New Order story. <laughs> I just love that his great moment was ruined by Andy Dick. That is like a top 10 celebrity story in my opinion. Right. It's amazing. Any uh, boob- uh, booby, 
<laughs> movie, TV, books. You said you're watching Walking Dead. I've been binge watching Better Things. It's for a writing project, but it's actually a good show. Yeah. So I would recommend it. Uh, it's not horror or comedy. I mean, horror or um, crime. crime, but I don't know. It's entertaining enough. Yeah, I'm watching Walking Dead. I'm exhausted. I'm depressed. And I'm going to watch more tonight. I'm fucking miserable watching it now. Yeah. Okay. So we did get some amazing... Oh, oh, and I do. I do would like to have a little rant. This is Walking Dead related. Okay. So I tweeted a very true and factual statement the other day. And that factual statement was that Norman Reedus is so hot. He is. That he makes me want to punch a wall. Because every time I look at him, Mm -hmm. he's that hot. I need men to just take my word on this that Norman Reedus is hot that is a factual statement because the amount of at replies I got from men who by the way didn't even have their face in the photos of their avatar so who even knows what you look like they were like it's not good no they were like (laughs) they were like uh actually he's not hot he looks like he needs to take a shower and it's like I don't care if Norman Reedus hasn't showered in three years he's fucking hot I'll give him a tongue bath yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I'll wash it all off of him with my these, tongue. It's like these guys all think, no, trust I'll, me. I'll, just he's trust not me. hot. He's not hot. Look at me. Right. My Abby is a dog with an American flag bandana. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the gall. It's like, I think most people would agree that he's hot. He was a fucking model, for God's sake. He was like married to Helena Christensen, right? Yeah, and now he's with Diane Kruger. That is an objectively good-looking man. Yes. Like, I can see how sometimes he looks better than other times, but on Walking Dead, he's, like, hot every episode. Dude, he has these bulging muscles. Like, and- he's one of those guys where I'm used to him from Walking Dead, mostly. That's where I really know him from, even though I knew who he was before. And when I see him cleaned up, I'm like, I like you better when you're <laughs> you're fighting, totally. like, when you're scruffy. Like, oh, he's hotter to me when he's scruffy. And he's all greasy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So no, he's, he's so hot. We actually have an amazing listener story yeah. Right now from yeah. Sophia uh, is her name. And I'm going to tell it to you. There's one bigger story and then a little uh, side story. So this story is really good. Did you read it? I did. Okay. So this. Wait, I don't think I read all of it. Okay. It's really good. So she starts off by telling me that this story is about her connection to Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer who we did an episode on. If you haven't heard it, you can go back and find it. It's yeah. a really good episode. Um, she heard through her mom that her old babysitter had a connection to um, to to Rodney Alcala. She makes her mom call the babysitter. She sits there and listens to this phone call and asks questions while the mom's on the phone. She told me in the the email that after she her after the phone call ended, which was like a two hour phone call, she immediately wrote wrote everything yeah. down. So this is almost like her notes from the phone call. Right. So this is the notes from her phone call talking to her old babysitter about serial killer Rodney Alcala. I just had my mom call her babysitter from the seventies because I remember telling me, uh, I'm sorry, because I remember telling. Sorry, me, she somehow knew Rodney Alcala. In 2010, when the police released all of those secret photos of his possible victims, the babysitter identified herself as one of the girls and contacted the FBI. Little did I know the true extent of their relationship. Apparently, they met at a club in Hollywood in 1967. She was 15 or 16, and he was about eight years older. After failed attempts to get her to hang out, finally at some point of seeing him around town, she agreed. He took her on a motorcycle to some vacant house with a pool in the Hollywood Hills and tried to put the moves on her. She wasn't into it, and he started getting aggressive, saying shit like, I could drown you in that fucking pool right now if you don't do this. At some point, he became extremely paranoid, telling her he thought someone was watching them from the 
the bushes next door, and he threw her on his bike and crazily rode off. She jumped off at some point at a stoplight and ran away as he was screaming at her to get back on. She didn't listen and luckily made it home that night. For some fuckery of a reason, she ended up hanging out with the goddamn psychopath again, and she became friendly with his freaking family. He had taken her to the Santa Monica Mountains and took pictures of her. Jesus, girl! (laughs) Sorry! Which at the time she thought was totally romantic. At this point, he had already been accused of raping the eight-year-old girl who she knew and knew her family. Stop it! Yes! He always claimed his innocence, and because he was such a charming narcissistic narcissistic son of a bitch his friends and family believed him again this was the late 60s early 70s so everyone was a fucking idiot i love sophia (laughs) at another point in time he actually schmoozed her into having sex with him oh my god this was already like two hours into our phone call and i had to ask this poor woman in her late 60s 60s so did you guys ever actually hook up to which she replied yes he was always trying to bang me, and I can't believe I'm saying I lost my virginity to a serial <gasps> killer. <laughs> no. Yes. And she, Sophia clarifies, yes, she said bang. One thing she said that freaked her out later, as if the eight-year-old girl rape conviction wasn't the <laughs> icing on the cake, is when she found out that a lot of his victims had their nipples bitten or almost bitten off. When she had sex with him for the first time, she said he was trying to bite her nipples. Oh, my God. She told him to stop and that it hurt her, and he tried to play it off, saying he was being playful. In another instance, she moved out of the state and came back to L.A. and hung out with him. He drove her back to LAX and casually sat on the freeway. You know, if you think about it, anyone in any of these cars could be sitting next to a killer and they wouldn't even know it. Stop it. Um, What the actual fuck? At the time, she just took it as face value. Bye, bitch. That's Sophia. (laughs) One of the last contacts she had with him was when he was on the run. She was already out of California, but had a phone conversation with him and told him to fuck off, that she knew he was a psychopath and a killer, and she wrote about every conversation they had in her diary. The next thing she knew, he drove to her fucking house out of state and tried to get her to leave with him. (gasps) She is convinced he came that day to kill her in her apartment because she told him she had no intel on him. Anyway, she told... I had so much intel on him, sorry. Anyway, she told me many sick stories about different victims, girls who went missing in L.A. area from her high school that are still cold cases to this day. She is always trying to help the FBI with connecting the dots to Rodney. She basically had about 10 years of contact with this lunatic and somehow didn't end up one of his victims. That's amazing. These conversations blew my fucking mind, and there's so much more to it, including her being attacked separately in L.A. by a serial rapist whose case was solved by Steve Homeland, the detective who thinks his father was the Black Dahlia murderer. Oh, my God. Isn't that a crazy story? We need to have, Sophia, come on the show. Seriously. Get your fucking notes. Yeah. Get your <laughs> notebook together and come on the show. Sophia had one little other crime connection story. Um, she said that her husband's family owns a hardware store, and she worked there for many years, and that's how they met, working at this hardware store. Um, and there was a lot of old dudes had who had worked in this store since like the 50s. It's been around forever. She said that one of her coworkers at the time was a really old dude, and he would tell the story of how Squeaky Fromm came to the hardware store and bought the rope that they used to tie up Sharon Tate from him back in the day. He uh, he asked her out on a fucking date. <laughs> Sorry. Dude. And she declined going out with this guy. So This is the same babysitter? 
No, no, no. This is her own story. She worked at this hardware oh. store with an old guy oh. who back in the day oh. sold the rope to Squeaky oh, Frog. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> so that's like her other little crime connection. Girl, you have so many serial killer Seriously, connections. I love the Rodney Alcala. I would love to hear the more Rodney about Alcala that. The Rodney Alcala story like just chilled me to my core. She should come on an episode and tell us more. Yeah, I want to hear more. Okay, we'll email that, you. That is such a crazy story. Can you imagine? That's like my nightmare. That is like one of the scariest things is like finding out you were almost a serial killer's victim. I mean, more scary, even, I mean, not as scary as actually being the victim, but like, <laughs> it's pretty, it's <laughs> but, close. But I'm just saying, like, like, can you imagine? Like, you have to think about that your whole life. You're right. I mean, it's pretty fucked up. It's really scary. It's fucked up because you kind of see what could have happened, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so that's pretty much all I have for you. But did you eat anything interesting this week? No. Um, Except I had macaroni and cheese on Sunday, so that was good. And then, oh, oh, uh, shout out to Trader Joe's frozen food section, because that's always good. I went to Trader Joe's with Desi. <laughs> thinking about Side that guy outing. in the top hat. There was a guy wearing, like, a top hat when we were there. Uh-huh. I went to Trader Joe's, and I love their frozen food section. It's so good. Did you get macaroni and cheese? Not from there. Okay. I just had some in the house. Like okay. That's what I had on cheat day. But then I also want to give a shout out to Trader Joe's spicy Italian sausage, because it's the best Italian. Italian sausage ever. Literally the best Italian sausage. It's so good. I often make them and just eat them on a fork. Me too. Like I just eat them. No, I eat them on a fork like an old like Renaissance king. Me too. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, I had some, the thing I had, and I recommend you guys ordering this if you have some extra cash because it's expensive. My friend went to San Francisco and brought me back my favorite chocolate Ricuti. And even though I'm not eating sugar, I have been eating a few of these per day. Like, Dark chocolate's like, good for you. Yeah, it's not like the worst. So I'm just kind of like delicately eating it. Okay, I ate them already. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you like just... In my them. head, in my head, I spaced it out. Right. And I did not eat them all in one sitting. That's pretty good, I got Desi. them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three days. That's eight pretty pieces. good. Eight pieces. Like, come on. I That's spread it out. That's really good. So if you want, you should try this Ricuti chocolate. It's in San Francisco. It's in the Ferry Building. If you live there, go to the Ferry Building, buy me presents, send it to me. <laughs> Everything I is, love everything. Everything there. in that if you ferry ever need building. To think, yeah. If you ever need some place to eat in San Francisco, you go to the ferry building. Don't go to Fisherman's Wharf. No, ferry building is. Go to the where ferry it's building. It's great. Yeah. So that's that. That's everything. Yeah. Okay. Woo! That was sorry. A good it was ep- a lot. No, it was a good episode. Um, Thank you. I'm starving right now. I want to order some food. Okay. Well, um, okay. Sounds like our sign off. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>